It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vet. Manu, how's your week been? Yeah, very busy, and uh, that's because, you know, you would think international break wouldn't be that busy, but it actually was over on our Football Grad Network. Um, I think we did nine or ten previews and then a couple articles on the games and uh germany of course in action mexico in action um russia not in action but ukraine was in action so you know plenty of stuff going on um over on football grad this week yeah definitely the number of uh, previews came out was uh something impressive always say but um we're not alone uh, this week. We've managed to find uh, another fantastic guest. And yes, he's from the famous Mexican soccer show as well. In Jason Marquez. Um, Jason, thank you very much for uh, coming on the podcast. Um, just for anyone uh, that uh, maybe doesn't know you, shame on you. Uh, but if, if they don't and they're listening, just explain a little bit about yourself. So I'm a, uh, I'm a freelance writer uh, covering uh, Mexican soccer, both L3 and uh, League MX. And uh, yes, as you said, I'm part of the Mexican Soccer Show, the contributor and producer for the show. And um, I guess that's about it. I'm at Soccer Mexicana, and that's, that's my, my site and uh, my Twitter handle as well. And I'm always kind of on there commenting about what's going on in the Mexican game. Yeah, and it's an absolute honor to have you on. I mean, the Mexican Soccer Show has uh, got some uh, fantastic, uh, well, pundits, what we call you, um, on there. And um, yeah, we're honored to, to have you join us as well. And we're hoping to have the rest of you on uh, very soon. But yeah, let, let's talk um, Mexican football in El Trey. So, well, a, a pretty good weekend, will, will we say. Um, El Trey managed to uh, qualify for the World Cup. Great news. Um, it, it started off with uh, well, Mexico beating Panama. Um, Jason, uh, how happy are you? Um, um, and how happy were you to see um, someone like Chucky Lozano, who's um, on Red Hot form? Um, get that goal. No, it was great. I mean, just like as good as the a campaign can go, really, uh, cons- especially considering what Mexico went through going into the 2014 World Cup and the disaster that that was. I mean, just having this locked up so early, uh, it's great. And um, getting those wins and just I think they've looked pretty, pretty good. I mean, they, I think there's always some some nitpicking we could do with this team, but um, I think they've they've played pretty well considering um, some of the things going around with the team and just the the, the rotaciones uh, that we always talk about with uh, Juan Carlos Osorio. But I think we've been pretty happy with the team and certainly certainly a good weekend for sure. Yeah, very much so. So it, it was a win against uh, Panama and then a draw uh, against uh, Costa Rica. Um, 
Manu, uh, d- did you manage uh, to catch uh, either games? Um, if so, um, how impressed were you with uh, with El Trey over over both ties? Oh, I think job done. I don't think impressed is the right word, but I mean, personally, I think this is such a difficult international break for the players. We touched on that a little bit on our other podcast, the Football Grad podcast. You know, a lot of the, especially the players who are playing over in Europe, this this break comes basically right after they've just gotten used to being back into club football. And I've seen that with a number of teams. Um, that first game in particular, you know, trying to get the chemistry going, try to to basically just play for a result. Um, it can be very difficult. So, you know, Getting the result against Panama, um, that's basically all it really is. You know, they got the three points and qualified for the World Cup. I think, um, when you, when you look at the game, um, and, and Jason, I'm pretty sure you would think to say the same thing. It's basic job done. And that's really that all that matters, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we basically, uh, the form is out the window basically at this point, just get it done. I mean, and you know, I, I think there's some good takeaways. I mean, I was actually a little more pleased with how Mexico played, uh, yesterday in that Costa Rica match mm-hmm. than in, in the one they won with Panama. Cause I, I think on the road in, um, in Costa Rica, it was a tough situation and a team that wanted to lock up their, uh, qualification and really get the win at home there. And I think Mexico played pretty well, especially considering the, uh, the lineup that was in there. And I think especially some of the players that, that showed up yesterday, um, looking at the way uh, Raul Jimenez played, um, I, I think even Edson Alvarez, I mean, he's another player that, that, that sticks out to me. Um, but some of these players that, that kind of came into this, this team. And I, I think that almost in a lot of ways, this, this team that was kind of a reserve team and somewhat, it was somewhat mixed up from the Panama match, but. I think they had a little more more cohesion and played pretty well, so I was pretty happy. And I mean, just looking at uh, Mexico moving forward and moving toward Russia next year, I think that this was good to have it locked up. And now Osorio has time to kind of give all these players um, different looks. And moving forward, all the all of these matches become trials, and mm-hmm. is able to use them however he he wants look, looking forward and in, in, in all preparation for the World Cup at this point. So it's great. Yeah, Bryce, we, we talked about this last week a little bit. Costa Rica is an extremely difficult place to play. You know, the United States got battered there 4-0, I believe. And, and, That's right. and it's San Jose. You know, I, I remember when I, when I talked to you about the old Saprissa stadium, which they don't use anymore. They have a new stadium now in, uh, in San Jose, but it's a very difficult place to go and play. And I think to go there and play, um, and get a 1-1 draw, the goal that Mexico scored really wasn't Pretty. I mean, it's probably the luckiest goal that we'll ever get. But uh, let's take that goal aside. I think it was actually a really good performance. And when you look at the numbers, uh, ball possession was 53% for Costa Rica, 47% for Mexico. Highly experimental side on the Mexican side. Although we can say that pretty much about every team, right? But when you go total okay. shots, 15 to 13. Shots on target, 6 to 6. Shots off target, 6 to 3. Block shots, 3 to 4. I mean, it's, it was a very even game and in a game you know that meant a lot more for Costa Rica um because they the three points for them would have locked up their world cup spot although i think they pretty much have it i mean they, a lot has to lot has to go wrong for them um in order not to get it but i think you know that i would i would totally agree with jason that it was that was a very good performance against a side i mean Costa Rica reached the quarterfinal of the 2014 world cup 
And they still have a very good team. A lot of players benefiting really from playing in uh, Major League Soccer, but also a bunch of players playing in Europe. And remember, their goalkeeper plays for Real Madrid, uh, Keylor Navas. And I, I, I always think, you know, Costa Rica right now, they have a golden generation. And to go there and to get a result is very difficult. Yeah, I, I, I think so. We've mentioned it before, haven't we, that they're, they're a good side, Costa Rica. And yeah, they're going through some good times. And yeah, they're, they're practically there as well, aren't they? Um, I, I mean, to be honest, I, you look at, obviously, they experimented uh, El Trey a little bit uh, last night, um, and they, they could have still won the game. I mean, there were chances either side, wasn't there? I mean, a, a great goal for Costa Rica ended up uh, getting the equaliser after the early home goal. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's fairly positive. And I would agree with Jason on this one that from what you know, I've seen of both games, I, I think it was the more positive results, especially with the players out there. You know, I think they, they demonstrated, um, yeah, a lot of hearts when they'd already qualified as well. I, just, I mean, how much do you see Rosario, uh, bringing in maybe fresh faces, maybe guys that, you know, you wouldn't expect to be in the squads? Um, uh, I mean, he likes to rotate anyway. We all know that it's, I, I mean, God, I, I had to do one of the predictions, you know, uh, predicted lineups. And I just thought, where'd I even begin with this? Cause right. there's no chance of getting that right. Uh, and yeah, I obviously tuned in to check and uh, yeah, I was somewhat off, but, uh, I mean, how, how much do you see him, um, uh, maybe calling in players that we don't expect to, uh, to normally see in the squad, maybe some Liga MX, um, youngsters. We could see some, but honestly, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot. I think the, the base he, he's working with is already fairly wide. And I think that all the players at this point, I think he has most, most of his, Kind of his 18 or so that he's really working with that I think are, are, are fairly well set. So um, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of extra players added at this point, but I think we're going to continue to see some players in different positions. We're going to continue to see maybe some of those um, not the first choice guys like we saw um, last night. Um, I think we'll see some more of those get a little more regular playing time. But I Honestly, I mean, we could have one or two, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of other guys in Liga MX at this point that haven't gotten call-ups before that we're going to see back in this team. I think it, it, feel, it feels to me that it's pretty well set. Yeah, you know, you, you point out something pretty interesting there, Jason, because, you know, someone like Edson Alvarez, who actually had quite a good game. You know, when you look at his mm-hmm. numbers, it's it's quite convincing, you know, by, by any case, maybe the second-best player on the field for Mexico uh, behind Chucky yeah. um, Lozano. You know, he won... He won 13 out of his, uh, 15 duels and, um, you know, pass accuracy of 71% considering where he was playing on the field. That's, that's very good. And for a young player like him to, to get those kind of numbers, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. And I think another thing that I get from this game is there was a lot of criticism for not calling up, uh, Rodolfo Pizarro for, for these games and going with, uh, the Dos Santos brothers in midfield instead. But, you know, they look, Really good in this game as well, didn't they? Definitely, definitely Jonathan DeSantis. I'm not totally convinced by Gio up front right now, but I th- he looked decent. He looked decent. I, I, I think, um, still would like to see some other players in there. I wasn't totally convinced by him last night, but I think with Bizarro, I mean, you look at the Gold Cup this summer. I mean, you, you mentioned Edson Alvarez there again. And yeah, I mean, I, I think he was probably one of the most. Um, successful players in the Gold Cup this summer for Mexico of of a Gold Cup that didn't have a lot of successful players. Mm-hmm. Rodolfo Bizarro being one of those who kind of had a dreadful tournament. 
in the Gold Cup. And that and that was going to be the tournament where we saw a player like him and Orbelin Pineda really step up um, and kind of secure that place for for a team in, in the in the main squad going toward Russia next year. And they really didn't do that. So I I kind of think that's where he got left off. And um, for me, I, th- I think he's been a little hit and miss with with Chivas this season, getting back into form as well. So. We'll kind of see where it goes with him. I mean, he's certainly someone I'd like to be part. I would, I would like to see him be part of that World Cup squad going forward. But um, we'll see. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough position right now to break into for Mexico because that is the one area where there is a lot of squad depth. Mm. Uh, unlike at fullback, where you have Edson Alvarez, who seems like he's going to be able to make that, make that uh, squad because there isn't a lot of depth. There isn't yeah. a lot of choices for Osorio there. I was actually going to talk about that next. Going back to the Panama game because. He played Jürgen Damm um, as a fullback, right. which is an interesting choice. Um, but you know, but I guess I can see it's sort of the speed and ball control and all that. Uh, I don't think he's a defender at all. Um, his match rating showed that as well. But yeah, um, he was maybe the biggest disappointment together with Carlos Vela in that game, I would think. And um, you know, that that's been really something we chatted a bit about that last week. What to do with a guy like Jürgen Damm? He doesn't really seem to have really a spot in that squad. And, you know, going back to the Panama game, of course, Panama, a very strong side in this World Cup qualification round. They're, they're sitting on third ahead of the United States and uh, getting the result again. I mean, at this stage of qualifying is all you really need. But, you know, you would say that maybe Carlos Vela and uh, Jürgen Damm may have been the big losers of that game. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, Jurgen Dom feels more and more like a player that's going to be left out. There's so many other options, and he continues to disappoint at the national team level. And he's not really getting it done at the club level either. So, I mean, yeah, just a, a player that probably desperately needs a club team move at this point because um, he's not getting all the playing time <laughs> with Tigris at, at the moment. And um, it's just one of those players we expected to develop so much, and he really hasn't. He's just kind of stagnated at this point, and it, it seems like, yeah, I agree. I, I think this is going to be a player that's going to be end up missing out. Yeah, he needs to use his German passport and go to Germany, play in that's Europe. Right. <laughs> that's right. He really, does. I'm sure. I'm sure 1860 Munich would be very. Uh, happy I don't to think have we him. can afford him. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Then you guys can't afford much at the moment. Sorry, but uh, sorry that wasn't meant to be a, a, a stab at 1860, but uh, just more realistic. But um, yeah, just 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 before we move on, uh, move away from uh, El Tre, uh, just to talk about Osario uh, a little bit. Obviously, um. You know, there were two tournaments uh, over the summer, um, and we always say that Joe Eltre uh, more or less became a club side with how often that they were playing. And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, them not really excelling in either of them. I, I think people expected them, at least, you know, in, in the Gold Cup, even though the, possibly you could talk that it was a B team as such, to, to go a little bit further into the competition than they did. Um, do, do you see Osario? being a success at the moment or because of these tournaments um, it's constant rotation um, not so much even though he's, he's breezed through qualification really well I mean yeah technically it's been a success for him because he's doing what he was brought in to do and that's get the team to the World Cup um, and he's certainly done that with ease but um, I think as Mexico supporters we generally expect to do well in CONCACAF to do well against these teams and to measure ourselves against 
at least we aspire to measure ourselves against a higher level of competition. And when Osorio has faced that higher level of competition, it's gone pretty poorly. Um, so I think that's where a lot of the criticism comes in. I don't, I, I still think that, that Confederations Cup match against Chile, that 7-0 was, is a hard thing to erase. And I think that's still fresh on the minds of, of many Mexico supporters. And I, I think there's some, some fairness to that because there isn't a lot of chances for Mexico to face that level of competition. And when they have, it hasn't gone well. So until Mexico <laughs> get the chance to do that again, I, I think Asara is going to s- still be hard pressed to win over the fans. And he doesn't necessarily have to, because it seems like he has the backing of the FMF. Um, and um, he, he'll certainly be the manager for Mexico in the world cup at this point. And so that's all it really matters. Um, is that when he when we get to Russia, what happens then? And and we'll see. I think that's ultimately where the the true dreadnought is going to come in. Yeah, I mean, then talking about the World Cup, uh, obviously you guys are going, but what would be ever a good a good round to get to uh, you know, for the the Mexican fans or for Osario? Um, I mean, obviously the final winning it, yeah, sure. But you know, realistically, you know, would it be maybe getting to the quarters, something like this, you know, that you would say actually we've done we've done pretty well. Oh, that's that's what it is. I mean, I, I forget how many World Cups it is in a row now where Mexico has gone out in the fourth match. So I mean, what it, it's always Mexico wants to get to that quinto partido, that fifth game, because um, they just haven't done so. They they're always out of the group. They've gotten out of the group. I forget how many World Cups in a row now. And they get to that fourth game and they lose in often very frustrating fashion, as uh, was the case in Brazil. So, um, yeah, it's all about getting to that fifth game, getting to those quarterfinals. And, um, and that's where and anything less is going to be considered a failure. Yeah, well, we'll all be tuning in, no doubt, for the World Cup, as everyone does. And we'll uh, we'll be supporting even though Manu and I aren't Mexican. We'll be hoping that you guys can get that far or even further would be fantastic i think and yeah let's just uh let's see how it pans out but uh, who do you think's gonna uh, join them do you think uh, it's gonna be usa or or panama i mean usa uh, well, it could be both looked... guys it could be both well it could be both but um i don't know like they, they've obviously got each other to play in their next game and it's it, you know the, well panama are obviously um lesser known for their for their football um USA have, have had a bit of a troubled time, haven't they, in qualification? I mean, who do you see um, getting there, or maybe both? I think it will be both, actually. Yeah. Um, I think Honduras, I forget who Honduras is playing in the last two matches, but I think they have the toughest road at mm-hmm. this point left. I think it's Mexico and Costa Rica, if I'm not mistaken, that yes, Honduras yeah, has yet to that's play. That's right. They're playing uh, Costa Rica away, and then uh, they are hosting Mexico. Two but, teams that will basically be qualified, but mm-hmm. they're not at the same time, they're not going to want to um, give up a result to Honduras. Um, and you have the U.S. with that game, that match against Panama at, in the U.S., I believe, in Orlando, I think they're playing. And then yeah. they travel to Trinidad and Tobago. Um, the U.S. is going to get the results they need, I, I believe, there. I mean, they certainly have improved a lot in their in the matches so far. But I, they should have enough to get through. And I expect them to finish in third and Panama probably to finish in fourth to head to that, that playoff. But... Uh, <laughs> I guess I suppose you never really know uh, the way these matches could go, and and like we said, that with Mexico and Costa Rica not necessarily needing the wins, um, Costa Rica just basically are, are going to find their way into it regardless of results in some ways. So, uh, without the results, without needing the results, I could see uh, uh, the crazy, crazy, crazy things have happened. So you never know, I suppose. And the U.S. were really poor, Bryce. I watched that game. 
Um, I guess that was yesterday. And um, yeah, yeah. The, the the question is, have they got worse under Bruce Arena? I know we're slightly going off uh, Mexican uh, talk here, but uh, have they? Very, this very is, quickly. This, this is a favorite topic of mine because I think that Klinsmann got a lot of criticism for things that weren't his fault. And um, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, are the United States a poor man's England? And I think they are because, you know, when you look at the squad that they have, we cannot expect any more from them than what they are getting. And yes, Klinsmann did a lot of things that didn't make a lot of sense, but you also have to just look at the squad and what the squad would look like if Klinsmann hadn't been the coach, right? There would be a lot of players missing, including the guy that got the equalizer for them, uh, Bobby Wood, you know, who, who was trained in Germany. And... um was brought in by, into the squad by Jürgen Klinsmann or a guy like Pulisic who only got a chance to play in, in Germany because of Jürgen Klinsmann using all his contacts over there. And this is something that a lot of US fans forget. Bruce Arena may have been a successful coach for them, but they're going two or three steps back rather than a step forward. And Bruce Arena has been very outspoken about what he calls the foreigners, uh, whatever that means. And... um He's getting basically the exact same results than Klinsmann did. And the football is even worse. I mean, this game against Honduras, they were lucky they got the point. I'm really, really, really fortunate. And uh, I personally think that they look worse than they did under Klinsmann. And, um, you know, I personally think that without a reforming hand or someone who pushes for reforms constantly, like Klinsmann always did, they, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, because, you know, basically MLS is running the show now and MLS has a certain way that they want to promote their own league and their own players. And I don't know if that's something that's going to benefit the, the national team. Well, we're going to need to start an MLS and US pod to discuss that one a bit further, aren't yeah, we? But, one um, day. <laughs> yeah, one day. Not now. We're going we're gonna to stick to more entertaining leagues. What a stab that is, eh? Uh, but anyway, um, I think we've more or less covered um, El Trey and international football. And yeah, this week I think, we'll, well, most of us anyway, we'll be glad to uh, welcome back domestic uh, football. And that means the return of Liga MX. Um, yeah, so obviously we've got Jason on. Jason is a Cruz Azul fan. And we would obviously like to talk about them, even though he's uh, a little bit hesitant, it seems, every time we mention it. But um, I can only imagine that's because of uh, recent times. As you guys will know, uh, listening to the uh, the last few podcasts, I've always been uh, well cheering them on. I want, I want to see their fans, like Jason, um, finally have something to to sing about. And this season, it, it has been going fairly well. And... Well, this, the first game of the weekend is going to be a Puebla taking on a Cruz Azul. Jason, um, obviously a, a pretty big game. Um, how do you guys uh, feel about keeping this um, you know, th- this record that you have, seven games and no losses? Well, I mean, it, it hasn't been the most impressive of um, with, with a run with no losses without getting too many wins. Um, but I mean, for a team that where Cruz Azul has been the last couple of years really suffering, that the start has been great. And um, for Paco Jemez, the manager who came in last season from Spain, he uh, he really needed this because he, I mean, even after just one short tournament with Cruz Azul, he was already pretty well under the hot seat and um, really needed some positive results to start this season. And the way they've started has been has been incredibly positive because I mean. The record, obviously, but just the, the style of play that Chris Lissel is putting forth, they're, they're a fun team to watch again. And they haven't been that for some time. Uh, 
And for me, they, they kind of mirror a lot of, in a lot of ways, what L3 is doing in some ways where they are playing a more interesting style of football at this point. And the, but they're also open to get giving up goals um, in kind of sad and unnecessary fashion at times. Um, but they're, they're a fun team to watch again. So they, they have, I think they have the fans excited. They certainly have me excited at this point. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, what, what, what do you feel has been the main difference from this season to last season? I mean, I remember when uh, Paco Jimenez, it, 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 there was a lot of talk of, you know, it was only a matter of time before he went. And obviously he's got his own, well, I was going to say um, style, uh, you know, with the uh, with the press over there. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, and some people now suggesting it's maybe Mourinho-esque as in taking the attention away from the squad. I don't know whether that's intentional or not, but if it is, it seems to be working at the moment. But do, but do you think you know, they've maybe brought in some firepower this year, or what? What's the difference on the field? I mean, the additions have helped. Edgar Mendez has been a, a huge addition to the team. I mean, he's certainly been a big part of the goal scoring and the the attacking play. Felipe Mora, who is just kind of now getting started up front, I and mean, Cruz still haven't had a real true. Um, goal scorer that that they could depend on in some time. So he, it's early, um, but it's looking like we might just have one in Felipe Mora. So that's exciting as well. And it, it's really just a squad that needed a full turnover. I mean, it was an aging team for some time. The midfield was stuck with a lot of aging players, and it's just it just needed a, a lot of um, reinforcements. And some of some players were shipped off. And it's just it's been a roster overhaul over the past maybe eighteen to twenty four months. I think it's really starting to show now. Uh, we have some some younger players playing. Cruzel never really has too many um, youngsters out there, um, but the addition of like a Jordan Sylvan in the defense, uh, a young Mexican defender who is not necessarily making the difference, but he's just just the signal that things are changing a little bit at Cruzel. So we're getting some of those those youngsters and some of those Mexican players in, and um, I, I think him has just a little more time. Uh, with the team, I think it's really just starting to gel that we're having a team that is playing with a with as a unit where they really haven't before, um, and and the goals are coming, and that's the, the the biggest difference at this point. Where we just it's been a team that just has defended fairly well, but has uh, lacked scoring, and um, MS has brought the score. Yeah, definitely. It. I mean, I picked out start of the season where you know we we did a podcast and. Uh, Manu, myself, and Ollie, uh, one of the other guys, uh, we we picked out uh, players uh, to watch uh, going into the season, and I thought that Felipe Mora could really be the business for you guys. I mean, he had a great time in Chile with the Universidad of Chile. He seems to be um, quite quick, and yeah, I, I I fancied for him to get you guys well the goals that you need this year to to kind of change a lot of draws uh, in the last year. You know, maybe into into victories, and I know Manu is a big fan of uh, Edgar Mendes as well, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I'm a big fan of what's happening at Cruz Azul right now, period. And you know what What you said, Jason, makes a lot of sense. I just, I just looked at the, the squad just now, and um, the arrivals and departures, they, they brought in 13 new players and shipped out 15. Um, so that's mm-hmm. quite a squad overhaul and um, you know changes that seem to be working and um something else that that you mentioned and that's that's that is significant i mean you we are yes there are seven games unbeaten but only two of those games were wins and the other five were draws and you know 
at a second glance, that doesn't look great. But we had a similar phenomena last season with uh, Hoffenheim, didn't we, Bryce, where they started like that and ended up finishing uh, fourth overall in the Bundesliga. And um, Valery Lubanovsky is a famous Ukrainian coach. Mm-hmm. He um, he was a big believer in getting a home win and a draw away on the road. Um, you know, so basically win half your games, draw the others, don't drop points ever. And uh, it's a philosophy that worked very well for him. It's actually a philosophy that worked so well for him that because uh, in back in the Soviet Union, he would ensure that his away games would be draw sometimes. But that's an entirely different story. The, the bottom line is mathematically, you're on a good path if you go down this road. You know, you still need to win more games than uh, you draw. But if you don't lose, you, you're gaining points. And in a league where basically finishing in the, the top eight gets you in the Liga Ela, that's, that's good, you know, and that, that means that you are bringing in a real good, feel good, uh, positive atmosphere, um, to a team that has been, I mean, last season, they, there were so many jokes about Grusasu, weren't they? But in reality, I think they haven't been defeated since April. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's quite the streak at this point. I mean, this is a team that really at this point, I mean, like a few years back, we're looking at anything short of a title as a failure. So there were a lot of failures. But this is a team at this point that just needs to get back into the Kia, needs to be get some of that postseason play, needs to just have a, a season that where they are somewhat of a legitimate contender. And, and that, that's that's where we're looking at the team. And it looks like that's where they're headed. I mean, it would be hard to see them. Oh, I hesitate to say this, but it'd be hard to see them really falling apart at this point. Um, and not making the Ligia, um, because the the way they're playing, the manner in which they're playing, certainly dictates them to be one of the top eight teams in the league. And Jason, would it just be getting into Ligia would prove you know, a successful campaign, or or at this stage, you know, are you? And I suppose maybe you would have been speaking to other Cruzeiro fans. You know, where, where's the expectations at the moment, or are they all a bit hesitant? Well, <laughs> I, th- I think it's hard to say. I mean, I, th- I think it depends largely on how the rest of the season goes. You know, if we, we enter um, the Ligue as one of the top teams, finish in the top three, then I think the expectations are raised. If they, we kind of continue with some of these draws and uh, kind of find our way in, I, I think we'll see. I, I, I suspect, and I, I think, I mean, there's such a negative vibe around this team at this point, so it's hard to ever really say, like, yes, we're happy. Yes, the fan base will be content with, you know, losing in the first round of Ligia, but I think getting back in will be enough this season. I mean, for, for maybe just the club in general, uh, because it's been absent for a while now. So I think getting back into the thick of things, getting back in as one of the contenders will be enough. <laughs> that being said, uh, it doesn't mean that, uh, an early loss in Ligia won't see like things thrown from the stands at Paco Jemez or something like that. Uh, it's certainly possible. There are no league titles since 1997, Bryce. You know, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, or team a lot of titles, a lot yeah. of titles in Mexico too. Yeah. Well, you yeah, you've won it. the um, you have won the Copa Max, Clausura right. 2013, and then of course the the uh, Concacaf Champions okay. League 2013 right. and uh, 2013-2014, which is you know significant. There is other teams in Liga MX that have been desperate in winning. Uh, an international title and have never managed to do it. We're not going to name any names, but, um, <laughs> you know, that title, like title draw of 20 years for, I, 
I'm not mistaken to say Cruz Azul are one of the traditional top four sides, aren't they? They are. They are certainly one of the. I mean, you look at the 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 big for the traditional big four of Mexico with Chivas America, Pumas, and Cruz Azul. Just based on the fan base, these are the fan bases that have true national, like nationwide fan bases in Mexico. Certainly, some a lot of teams have been more successful recently. I'm looking at the teams in Monterey specifically. Um, even Toluca at this point, but all of those, all those fan bases are regional where Cruz Azul is, is one of the teams that has a, a wide, wide reaching fan base. Um, a fan base that has been hurting for some time, as you, as you said, based on that, that title drought. Um, because this is a team that it's not as if they're Atlas, right? And At- Atlas has been since the, their one title came in the fifties, right? Now, but this is a, t- Atlas is a team that, hasn't necessarily come close to winning titles. They they've kind of survived in the league and, and avoided relegation has been, been the success for Atlas and occasional good seasons and, and occasional great players coming through that, that team and it, a very proud fan base, but not necessarily a team that's always fighting for titles where Cruz Azul has been one of the most successful teams in Mexico, looking at their record over this title drought. Um, there were many, many years where they were they uh, acquired the most number of points over uh, the year span. And if, we, if, if you took out the Liga and you had those 34 games, Cruz Azul would have been the, the, the title winner. They would have took, taken the title. But Cruz Azul has the, uh, uh, the characteristic of being that team when they get into the Liga, they don't necessarily perform to their uh, abilities and standards. And they've had so, so many just horrifying, horrible defeats in the Liga that the fan base is um, – they're kind of hurting. They're desperate at this point for sure um, because it's been so long, but they've been close so many times. Yeah, well, I mean, Jason, do, do you see them you know, picking up another win against Puebla uh, on Friday nights? I mean, Puebla are obviously sitting at the bottom of the you know, the table. I mean, you, you'd have to – if you're a betting man, you would be going for Cruz Azul, which normally you don't put those words together. <laughs> that's true yeah i mean if, you, if you're gonna pick any uh, away match um in the uh, league mx going to pueblo is probably one of the easiest ones so um good one for cruz to get back uh started with after this international break and yeah i would expect them to get the win uh or or more likely I, I, at this point in some ways continue that draw streak possibly but at least some results against pueblo one would expect um I, I don't see them picking up their first loss in this match for sure no, definitely not. But we'll move on from uh, Cruz Azul. We'll talk about uh, one of the games on Saturday that uh, looks, uh, well, equally exciting, if, if I'm being honest. And we've got um, Atlas uh, taking on Tigres. Uh, Tigres, obviously, high-flying, sitting in third. Atlas have been on a downward trajectory, haven't they, since uh, Rafa Marquez uh, and that incident, which uh, we, we've covered um, enough, and I'm sure... Um, the two other fellas here have probably said we we we've, uh, we we don't really need to touch into. But um, Manu and I discussed um, just last week that um, Atlas obviously have a new player in town in Raval Morrison. Um, Jason, I, I take it um, the likes of Tom on the Mexican Soccer Show has uh, told you guys uh, plenty of little stories and antics about Raval Morrison. Um, he has uh, something else I had to tell Manu about them all. And... I was a little bit gutted that Tom beat me to it with the uh, Mars <laughs> Bar story. Um, but, 
yeah, I mean, troublesome times at, at Atlas. They, they can't seem to pull things around at the moment, Jason. I mean, do you see it changing against uh, Tigris this weekend? I don't. <laughs> I think that's a, a lot to a, a team coming back and a tough team to play. So I, I don't think uh, fortunes are necessarily going to take a, a drastic swing against Tigris. I don't think that's the team you want to kind of uh, kind of get back on, on the right track with. Um, and I, I think you know, I think things will take a little time with Atlas. I, I don't necessarily see them continuing that downward spiral throughout the rest of the season and just finishing at the bottom. I think they'll turn things around, but I don't necessarily think this weekend's the one to do it. But they have no, to I don't. turn things around because they're in the relegation zone. They're last. There is a yeah. there's a desperate need to do so. That's <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> they do need yeah, very, they need points really badly because, um, you know, I I guess it's maybe too early because we have it's the full season that comes into account. But they are last in the relegation table. Um, you know, which is. We talked about this last week, uh, really you know, two weeks ago, how it was when, when the whole Rafa Marquez, um, thing broke that, you know, there is a chance that they, they might be in relegation trouble, which is actually crazy when you think about the way they, the season started for them. And when we thought like they will be totally going into the Liguela and maybe even challenge. And now, you know, they're, they are basically fighting for survival. It, it's crazy. And I'm, I'm curious, really, really, really curious. Uh, for that Friday night fixture against Tigres. And I'm really curious to see whether um, Rafael Morrison will actually play now that I have heard all the stories and all the background about him. And um, I, we got articles sent to us, didn't we, Bryce, about this guy yeah. and all the deniagans that he's um, been up to throughout um, his career. Well, that's it. It's, it's a real shame because you get sent articles on the antics he's been getting up to, um, and rightfully so. But this guy really does have a, a lot of talent. I, I don't know whether it's natural talent or whether he worked very hard as a kid and then seemed to lose his drive or be distracted a little bit. But, you know, people like Alex Ferguson at, at Manchester United said he was the best player that he's he's ever seen come through their youth, uh, their, their youth teams. And, you know, he's seen a lot of talent over the years. And so many teams are trying to get the best out of him. Can Atlas do it? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at the stage where I don't know whether anyone can really get it out of him. But, you know, if, if he can get his head down uh, and actually play some football and, you know, get a bit of concentration, you know, he could he could be a, a fantastic signing for them. Unfortunately, just nobody's seen it in, in quite, quite a long time. Uh, it, you know, if he was to come on the scene, I don't know whether he's going to be fit uh, for this game, but if he was to come on the scene and actually score a goal or contribute towards uh, a win against Tigres, that would be a hell of a way to introduce himself. Um, though it's, it's, it's a big ask for Atlas to get a win, and it's it's a, a very big ask um, you know, for Ravel Morrison to, to come on the scene like that. Um, I, I just hope that he ends up uh, leaving Atlas at the end of the season. Um you know, coming out as a bit of a hero rather than, you know, him disappointing once again. Um, I, I suppose we'll, we'll just have to see with, with him. But um, T- Tigres, uh, Manu, also um, have a new signing. And, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And, you know, it, it, yeah, Borussia Mönchengladbach, which is a mouthful enough um, central defender. But uh, Timothy Colo, I'm going to describe him or his name as because... Colo Chichak. Bryce, Colo Chichak. 
I, I never, I, like, I would just wouldn't have got that. I mean, the spelling <laughs> and the pronunciation are so different. Uh, I'm sorry, Jason, I'm not very good, um, you know, um, as the listeners would know, with uh, my other languages. Uh, but I'm looking at that one right now, and I ain't saying it like that. You know, I'm actually so happy he's going from the Bundesliga to uh, Liga MX, just because you won't, uh, you will get stuck with him. <laughs> you, you probably were like, yes, they're selling him. I'll never have to pronounce the name again. He's going where? Oh, no. <laughs> he's leaving one podcast that I do to join the other podcast I do. Thanks for that. Uh, but yeah, Manu, uh, enough about the poor guy's name. Colo, uh, he'll be known as the rest of the season. Um, d- tell us a little bit about him because um, you're obviously... Well, not just going to know how to pronounce his name, but you're going to know a little bit uh, about the uh, the centre back as well. Well, you know this this one is such a funny one um, because I remember when he joined Gladbach during the winter from Sevilla, and uh, Chris Williams was very excited about this transfer, right? Because he was um, part of Sevilla's three times Europa League winning side. Um, so Kolodziejak very solid defender and we really thought he would get along very well in Gladbach and really helped him to maybe push for a Europa League spot and I mean they did but the problem is they did that without him um he never was able to break into that side and you know there was there was a minor injury that that played a role in that but there was also just other players that um, received more playing time than he did and then Gladbach of course uh, they lost um, Christiansen to Chelsea, who was on loan. Um, but they brought in Matthias Ginter from Borussia Dortmund, you know, a guy that won the Confederations Cup, a national team uh, defender. And they brought in Reese Oxford from West Ham. And, um, you know, just a side that is very deep uh, in centre-back, despite the fact um, that they lost Christiansen. And so he didn't really seem to have much of a chance of breaking into the side and which is really you know it surprises me because he's only 25 so he's still young um you know he's despite the name he's actually a french center back um and at some point looked like he would break into the french national team side it didn't of course because he didn't have the playing time so you know i'm i'm surprised that he didn't manage a gladbach because his talent is obviously um there's it's there and you know Tigas are play, paying a decent amount of money for him. I've heard 5 million euros is um, what Borussia Mönchengladbach received for him. So, you know, it's it's a it's a good signing for Tigres and another really good signing because um, when you look at their squad now, they basically have uh, two decent players from France on that side. Uh, he's joining Gignac. And I actually wonder how much Gignac played, uh, how much of a role Gignac played in this transfer um, certainly helped uh, his body to to make the switch over to Mexico. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it? Um, I, I mean, just if, if we look at this signing, I mean, another Frenchman going uh, to Tigres, um, another um, European player going to Liga MX. It, it, it's a good thing for the league, isn't it? I mean, there's going to be more people tuning in. There's going to be more exposure. And also, it, it just shows maybe the, the strength and the popularity of the league at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you just have these uh, these signings certainly raise the profile of the league. I think that builds on the strength of the league that we already knew was pretty strong. But it gets more eyes in the league, and that never hurts. Um, so I think these are good signings. And specifically this one, I, I think is – I don't know a lot about the player, but 
it's a position of need for me for Tigris. Unlike so many of these other signings that uh, for Tigris, bringing more and more attacking players, their their center backs are decorated, and Hugo Ayala, Janino, good center backs for Liga MX for Tigres, but aging ones. Um, and there was not a lot of depth there for, for Tigres. So, I mean, this is a position that could really use some bolstering. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think this could be a really successful one for them. Well, that's it in, uh, Colo, which I'll refer to him. Um, he's only 25. So, you know, it's, he's got plenty of years ahead of him. It's not like a, a player buying out as such, you know, so it's, yeah, I think it's a great signing for them. And obviously, they've got plenty of firepower up front, uh, as you said, Jason. You know, but bringing in uh, Colo um, at centre back, you know, is is, is only going to strengthen that area as well. I mean, in saying that, they also brought in a defensive midfielder, a, a Brazilian, um, by the name Rafael Caracoa. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, but uh, Manu, what what do we know about him? He, he's come from Atlético Mineiro's. I mean, he's he's 28, a bit of experience, could just tighten them up at the back as well. I mean, th- this can only be a good thing for Tigres. Yeah, he's he comes from, uh, and it's, it's funny, this is actually another guy that I know quite well, simply because he played for Spartak Moscow. And uh, before that, he played for Spartak Moscow. It's, it seems like development side, really, Gremio. Uh, you know, the Gremio and the agents that like to work in the post-Soviet space have a very good connection. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of players from Gremio playing in places, former players from Gremio playing in places like the Ukraine and Russia. And, um, Rafael Karyuka was one of these guys and I've seen him play out a few times for Spartak and he's played a lot, uh, for Spartak in the Russian football premier league and a league that is very tactical, um, very defensive and a bit like Italian football. You know, it's a, it's a league where you, where only four players scored more than 10 goals last season. Um, just to put that into perspective. So a lot of teams, um, are goal defensive first approach. And that means that you, in order to be successful in that league, you have to be tactically very aware. And, um, I understand that Tigers needed someone like that in defensive midfield because there was a massive hole, um, left by the departure of Pizarro, right? And, um, so that's, that's definitely a very good signing for them. And, you know, he played in, in Brazil for the last four years and consistently played in Brazil for Atletico Mineiro and a very good team in, in the Serie A. So I think this is, this is a very good signing for them. Um, a bit of a left field signing because I don't think there was a lot of chatter about this happening. And I'm really curious to see him. And boy, Tigris looks strong. I think, you know, we, we talked a few weeks ago how in attack, they designed in Valencia and already added to a very strong attack. But how they had holes in, in center back and in, in defensive midfield, that's not an issue anymore, isn't it? Um, I mean, Jason, when you, when you look at the side now, we, we're looking from a side that used to be top heavy to a side that is probably the most balanced in the league now. That's right. I mean, even before, like going back a few years, if we take away some of these massive signings, that's what Tigres was. It was, just probably the most depth, the most talented roster throughout. And they brought in all these big-name players, but, I mean, they continue to add this depth now, as, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, and this is a team that it's in some ways has kind of learned to bide its time throughout the season because they can get away with doing so, just kind of coasting along and ma- making their way into that top eight and then really turning it on, as we've seen them do before. So, 
fully expect them to be one of the contenders at the end of the season because they're just so ridiculously talented at this point. Yeah, there's a ton of talent on this side. I mean, um, yeah, getting Kolochichak alone would have been a good move, but getting Kariota as well, um, yeah, I think they did everything that needed to be done. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, do you think, uh, Jason, that this is uh, Tigers trying to just, obviously we talked about them making a more balanced side, but trying to end those uh, Legia as more more accurately, those, those final kind of woes where they seem to get to the finals, but they uh, you under Tuka seem to uh, to struggle to then get it over the line. Do you think this is them really making a bold statement about it? Yeah, I, I think, and these are just smart signings. And then they they have the ability to bring in these players and they're just kind of going for it, aren't they? Um, so um, whether that makes the difference in the end, we'll see. But um, it seems like they're trying to address those those issues in the team and, and bolster wherever they can and being pretty aggressive, um, very aggressive, actually, and bringing in all these players. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going for you. I mean, it's 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 fun times to be following this team and um, exciting for the league in general, really, because we, we, we haven't seen a team. We've had the big spending clubs before, but I don't think we've seen a team as aggressive as Tigres have, have been in, in, in grabbing in all these players from, from leagues around the world at this point. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, very much so. Uh, they'll be uh, trying to keep up with and compete with Monterey. Uh, I think uh, a matchup of them um, in Ligia, if it comes up, uh, could be a very exciting one at the moment. Uh, but yes, um, we're going to talk about an- another signing that uh, came in for Nakaxa, of all people, that Chilean evasion that you've been talking about all season, Manu mm-hmm. and Mateus Fernandez. Uh, I mean, this this is a, an attacking midfielder which comes in from Saria. I mean, again, Raising the profile, you know, of uh, Liga MX because there's more people watching. I mean, this this is another ex- exciting, uh, well, another ex- exciting addition. And the Cacs are already having a good season, and you know that this is uh, only going to help them. I mean, I've heard that he's a bit of a a free kick specialist, which no team will ever uh, turn their nose up to. Yeah, no, it, this is this is an interesting signing, in in my opinion. Um, we've spoken about the Chilean invasion in, in Liga MX. There's a, there's a lot of Chilean signing these days um, in Liga MX, which you know speaks for the league itself. And uh, this is this is a good signing. You know, Matias Fernandez played uh, for Fiorentina uh, for many years. He played for Milan. Didn't get as many games as um, he hoped for. Um, just eleven games in Serie A. But at the same time, you know, this, it's the it's still um, a strong, strong enough record, and um, Nikaxa, um, one of those sites that people don't really talk about very often. We didn't hardly ever mention them, and funnily enough, I actually play uh, pick up football on Sunday with a Nikaxa fan, and uh, you know, probably the first Nikaxa fan I've ever met in all places here in Canada. So, you know, it's they they're a site that they're doing a lot of things right, and I think this is a really good add-on for them and someone who can. Dictate the tempo for them in midfield, a uh, true playmaker and a uh, fascinating player. And, you know, probably making the move because he knows that um, playing in Liga MX is a good stepping stone to make it back into that Chile side. Yeah, very much so. Jason, um, how are the things um, across the water, um, you know, how are the opinions, sorry, on the CACs? As Manu said, they're kind of flying under the radar almost a little bit, but, you know, they're, they're setting up, you know, in, in fifth in the league at the moment and 
having a pretty good season. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, it's incredible for a team like this that's somewhat recently promoted to be making signings like this. Um, and I mean, but previously we we saw this team that has, when they came up, succeeded in in really defensive tactics and and, and the counter attack, and have really expanded a bit um, since then, since surviving and staying up and. A club that, yeah, I think we're going to have to start taking a little more seriously as a contender. I don't think I don't think we're quite there yet, in in overall and league wide opinion at this point. But um, with their with their continued play and and um, the, some of the signings they're making, I, I think we might see a, a team that sticks around. And like, there's a lot of competition for those top eight places, but it seems like they're going to be one of those teams that find their way into it as well. Yeah, very exciting times for them. Amongst uh, a few of the other teams, um, I'm quite excited to see if uh, Nakaxa can go all the way, just like Cruises all and get into <laughs> like yeah. Um, Manu, you wanted to talk about uh, a Tijuana signing, uh, just the last kind of topic today. Um, well, what exactly is is this um, is this that you would like to speak about? Yeah, this is Miller Bonanos, and um. We mentioned his name last week and, um, you know, as a possibility of coming to Liga MX and this deal has been finally done. Uh, Ecuadorian midfielder, uh, attacking midfielder, striker midfielder, I guess. And, um, you know, uh, we, thankfully we got someone on the football grad network who, who knows quite a bit about, uh, this area in Brazil and about this player in Paulo Freitas, who is, of course, the Brazilian guy, uh, when it comes, to Brazilian football on Twitter. So um, go give him give him a follow. He's very, very, very knowledgeable. And he has uh, published a few pieces for the Football Grad Network in the past and is always available for scouting reports. So I always, when I need information on any player, I'll chat with him. And he said some a few positive things about this Ecuadorian guy um, who has all the tools to be a very good player. And you know, playing for the national team, 20 games, 8 goals, that's pretty good numbers as well. The problem is apparently he's very lazy. So, um, another Ravel Morrison potential situation right there. We'll, we'll have to see how that pans out, um, how that works out in Tijuana. Um, they seem to add a few players like that right now who have that creative spark and the ability, but at the same time seem to be also characters that have somewhat struggled, uh, in their last side. So I think this is, this is going to be a fascinating transfer. For me and I, in Tijuana are a little bit in rebuild and have been better in the last few weeks. You know, poor start, but have been better. And I'm really curious to see him play in Liga MX. I think he, there's a few Ecuadorian that, that have done quite well in that league. And, you know, Tom Marshall spoke about this last week that it's the Liga MX is more and more becoming like the Premier League of, of South America or Latin America even. And another guy, um, We'll, we'll see, but I'm, I'm curious to see him play. Like Now that I've heard so much about him, I'm definitely going to tune into that first Tijuana game and uh, watch him. Yeah, definitely exciting times. be interesting to check out the, all the new signings. And, uh, well, it just adds to the entertainment of Liga MX anyway, which um, always has um, plenty of entertainment for us. Um, guys, I think we're going to more or less wrap it up here. But just before we go, Jason, uh, we always get... Um, well, the, the guests or, or whoever else is on the podcast to uh, to highlight a game of the week. So obviously the weekend's coming up. Just for any new listeners that are like, okay, I like the sound of this league. Um, I'd like to check it out. Which game do you reckon they should tune into? And very briefly, why? 
I suppose I'm going to have to pull up the schedule right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. We'll give you a little second. There's quite a few uh, interesting uh, games coming up. Um, I, I was just saying earlier that um, obviously Atlas have uh, a bit of a, a tricky game against uh, Tigres. That, that one could be rather interesting. And the following week, unfortunately, they're away to Monterey. So it could be another few weeks before Atlas uh, managed to pull themselves out of that. Um so on, on Saturday, we have a good one, um, yeah. and that would be uh, Pachuca hosting Chivas. Um, two teams that uh, have had rocky starts to the season, and um, them them facing off, uh, could we could see some fireworks in that one. So I think it'll be an entertaining match, and uh, a match that both kind of desperately need to get a win and get, get um, this season turned around and get going on the right track. So I think that'll be a good one. Uh, Pachuca-Chivas on Saturday. Any predictions? Uh, probably a draw, probably a draw on that one. Um, uh, I, I, Pachuca, I think is probably the playing better at this point, but it's one of those teams that I, I don't always necessarily trust them at home for some reason. I think teams can go in there and get a result. And I think Chiefs will go in and get a draw on that one. Nice one. Well, Guys, I think that'll more or less do it. But um, Jason, firstly, we'd just like to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, hopefully, oh, you'll, uh, you'll you'll take the time out to uh, to come on again uh, when when we both um, can get our timings right. Um, I hope things go well with uh, Cruzil the mm-hmm. rest of the season. I will definitely be um, pushing uh, well the support for them. But um, Jason, before you go, what would you like to uh, draw people's attention to? Or what have you got coming up? Or what would you like to plug? And where can people find you on the likes of Twitter? Uh, So I'm at Soccer Mexicana on Twitter. And uh, you can find me on the Mexican Soccer Show. And uh, you should subscribe to my newsletter. Um, Every week I put out the Soccer Mexicana Weekly, uh, which is a newsletter which um, highlights all of the best writing in Mexican soccer uh, in English each week. Uh, so I gather the best ones I find, put them all in the newsletter for you to read. Uh, and you can find the uh, the link to describe to that pinned to the top of my Twitter page, at Soccer Mexicana. Fantastic. Yes, everyone sign up, or at least start to follow them on Twitter. Uh, the, the Liga MX uh, English-speaking guys are absolutely fantastic and a very friendly bunch, may I say. Manu, what have you got going on this week, and what would you like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, so, um, of course, Tim and I from the Football Crowd Network will be in Vancouver to cover the Whitecaps. And then uh, Chris will be champions covering Champions League, I guess, with you in London uh, and Europa League as well. So that will be, the previews for that will be up on the various Football Grad uh, Fußballstadt. And then we'll have, of course, our Liga MX game of the week preview that will be on Football Sidage. And... Um, Bundesliga this weekend. Gegenpressing is back on on Sunday, I guess, we're recording, right? So lots going on. It's going so. to be a very busy, busy um, September, I think. I think we're going to be at 12, 14 games live on location. So, yeah, lots to do. So, yeah, but uh, follow us at Football Guard Live. It's all there, um, all one one easy click away for you to, to, to collect your information. Yeah, most certainly. And yeah, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. Uh, I think in the next day or two, I should have, uh, my, uh, Liga MX uh, stats uh, article up uh, again. Liga MX by the numbers, that is. And then I'll have another one just, uh, hopefully out before the uh, next podcast. So maybe two coming your way. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll see what else I can muster up anyway. But, um, guys, 
thanks very much for tuning in as always and uh, we, we appreciate it and enjoy the games this weekend thank you bye This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.